0: Welcome to Group Talk, a podcast conversation focused on relevant issues for leaders of small group ministries. Whether you are a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a lay leader or staff, we want to encourage, equip, and challenge you to thrive in your ministry context. The Small Group Network exists to inspire, inform, support, and resource one another because we are better together. Now, let's get ready for today's episode of Group Talk.
1: Hi, welcome to Group Talk. We are taping a special live broadcast from The Lobby 2018, Um, and we have a studio audience.
2: Did they they scare you?
1: No. (laughs) We're not used to a live live audience. (laughs) I'm here with the incomparable founder of Small Group Network. Incomparable is a nice adjective, isn't it? Because you really don't know what exactly I mean by that, I can't spell it,
2: and I don't know what it means, so (laughs) I'll I'll take it as a good thing.
1: With Pastor Steve Glayton at Saddleback Church, and we have a number of people with us from the live from all over the country, so this is a special treat for us. Yeah,
2: it is very cool. It's always fun to do the live thing because... It's a little bit more scarier than just being with you.
1: Yes, it's a lot more scarier. Um, and what we did was, um, during our lobby conference, we asked uh, people to give us questions for Steve to answer. Steve has not seen these questions. Steve does not know what it is. I will be. Asking. I trust
2: Carolyn Th- to this have the makes discernment. It so
1: fun! And I even gave Steve's staff a little extra bonus to give me other questions that perhaps we have not considered.
2: <laughs> so nice. those may
1: be intermixed into the into the pile.
2: This is going to be. This this will be fun. Not only during. During this particular right. group talk, but for my staff afterwards. For the performance reviews? Yes.
1: Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, all right. So we'll just kick it off in there in no particular order. And for our studio audience, would love it if you um, have other questions, if you want to follow up questions, you get the benefit of just raising your hand. And if... Um, if it would fit, I will ask you to speak up and we can add that as well. Um, and at the end, if there's something you'd like to ask Dave, please feel free. We'll create some time for that. Um, okay, so let's kick it off with the easy ones first. I like that. <laughs> Going to ease you into the morning. All right, so what are the top three essential things you would do to care for your small group leaders?
2: Well, I mean, the first thing would be uh, relational. So I would say first thing is get to know them. Uh, we, we work this acrostic with our community leaders on, uh, before you try to coach them, uh, you need to help them be a leader before you help them be a leader, they need to be a friend. And, um, so I, I, I would actually distill it down into the most important thing you can do is get to know them personally, get to know their story. Uh, the the um, analogy we usually use is Lisa and I were invited to a dinner one time and we thought, oh, these people really enjoy us and it's uh, it's just so cool they invited us over and then when they brought the dessert they they brought catalogs and said, oh, God has touched our hearts so oh, much. It's has a switch. Yes, <laughs> God's touched our hearts so much that uh, we want to help you guys out. We know your you know finances are important and all this and so and we left hollow and just went, oh, we thought they invited us over because they were our friends and they wanted us to be a part of a, a, a program. And, um, and a lot of times in the church world, we do the same thing. We say, Oh, here's your, here's your community leader, your coach, whatever you call them. And they're your, your most important. I'm, I'm your friend. And then right out the gate, Hey, you need to go to a leader training or you need to do this, or you, you haven't done this, or where's your roster or things like that. All important things. But, but the problem is, is that, you know, it, like, like I've always said, is that, you know, in order to speak truth, it's got to be built on trust. And it just starts with time. And so our knee-jerk reaction is when we're trying to care for a community leader, we think care is, you know, helping them do what the church wants. And so right. part of that is realizing that the best care you can give is get to know them. So if, if you don't know your group leader's name, spouse spouse's name, their birthdays, their anniversary, their kids' names, their kids' birthdays, the things that are important to them in a calendar year that would be the number one thing place uh, I would start. Uh, the other thing is is when you're giving care to them, understand that it there 's an adage when you 're raising a kid that it takes a village to raise a kid. And in the same way, it takes a village to raise a healthy small group, and it doesn't excuse the parental part in the family analogy, uh, but there's also the part where you've, you need to understand the components that are built around the small group that gives them care. Mm-hmm. And that can be many, many different things. We've identified about 12 to 15 of them, but uh, probably one of the, the most the, the greatest things that gives care is encouragement. And encouragement is identifying, you know, probably the the common fears that are out there and then having testimonies that, that give that type of encouragement that, you know, it's one thing when I encourage my son and he looks at me and he says you have to say that you're my dad. Uh, and I go, and as much as I try to say, Oh no, 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 that's not it at all. Uh, but at the same time, or my daughter either way. Uh, but it's one of those things about when somebody else's voice mm-hmm. comes into that group leader, that's outside the primary, uh, th- that's a big thing. So I can think of two. I don't know if I can go through, I can make up a third one and say, Jesus,
1: <laughs> yeah. um, I, I want to underscore that because I think um, the whole idea of getting to know them personally is so huge. We started doing uh, birthdays, such as a little thing. We created a calendar, put all of our small group leaders on it, divided it by what would be our community leaders or our coaches and said, just send out a card. And then we did it for our staff too. And it was such a simple thing. It takes like very little time. We do it every month and it it's amazing the dividends that it pays and people feeling connected and known. Uh, and so C- it makes a, a couple difference.
2: practical things you can do with that is just one, ask them what's important to them in a calendar year. Mm. Uh, when cool. I was more in the trenches, I'll never forget one of the ladies who's a group leader. She goes, November 15. I remember it cuts the day after my wife's birthday. And I go, Oh, what's important about that? I go birthday anniversary. And she goes, that's when my sister committed suicide. Oh, wow. And I went, Oh, wow. And so you can bet that date was, Embedded on my heart to say, I've got to do something. And the analogy I use is when, uh, when we were taking Erica to college a couple of years ago, um, and we were flying her to uh, the university she was going to attend, and you know, and, and I always forget if it was a text or an email, but it was one Rick just just said, "Hey, uh, I know tomorrow is a big day. Yeah. Yeah. You go, you go as four, you come back as three, and it's just like, oh. And even thinking of it is, is very touching. And he goes, just want to let you know, Kay and I are praying for you. Yeah. I mean, that did more right. than his last six sermons. And it's right. just it's just the care starts when you care about the person first. Mm-hmm. And you care about their kid. It doesn't cost anything to text uh, your group leader and say, hey, I know today is your kid's birthday. This is the verse I'm praying for. Him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you anything to, to leave a prayer on their voicemail and, and to say, you know, whatever it doesn't matter if it's a birthday anniversary important day but hey it just for no reason at all i wanted to call you and i just wanted to pray for you
1: Uh, along those lines okay so one is the personal care what ways um do you implement kind of a strategic sort of way strategic way um to actually help them to grow Uh,
2: again i would i would center first on them first and and say how are they growing how are they doing um uh, you know, for the 20 years I've been at Saddleback, I have always done, you know, a, a personal health checkup. Uh, I'm noticing the older I'm getting, the more I've got to do a physical health <laughs> checkup. But uh, but for right now, uh, you know, it's the personal side. And when I'm in sync, when I'm growing, when I've identified things and when I'm real. And so part of the things is when you share, more people are endeared to my faults than my accolades.
1: This is absolutely true. And, I'm very dear to your weaknesses. Yes. Yeah.
2: And so yeah. when when you're caring for your leaders, I mean, and you're trying to help them grow, obviously you want to think the group overall. But part of it is too you want to you want to you want to think to them where, where they're at, and the more you can share, hey, this is what I'm working on, mm-hmm. and and I've been a pastor for three decades plus, and I'm broken, and I'm stupid, and you know you know I'm like you know, the dog that returns to his vomit in Proverbs. And, uh, you know, it's this, you know, I don't want to do that, but it's that Romans seven, you know, Paul says, I don't want to do it, but I keep doing it. And when you share with them your real life, they're going to be more open to share their real life. And then you can get growth really starting from the personal level, because when that, when that part, when they are healthy and moving forward, then they're moving on. It's why in leader training one, the first thing we always introduce before we talk about group health is individual health. Because when the individual is in sync, uh, you know it's it's you know it's like if I miss my devotions for a day or two, uh, you know my wife, my kids start to notice it. When it becomes a week or so, then my team starts to notice it, and then you know Chernobyl happens. But. Um, but I, so I would say, first thing with them. Then obviously you got to have a pathway and a structure that understands, you know, how you can give them simple, easy tools to help them not only continue to grow and identify areas aligned with your church paradigm. Very important, right there. And then your groups part to the church paradigm also.
1: Yeah, I love the emphasis on personal care. I mean, it's the shepherding, right? you got to know your sheep. So not every way of coaching or the five questions is going to yield the same response for each each, uh, small group leader, just like it doesn't with our kids. Let's take it a level up. So we were talking about leaders. Um, There was a whole bunch of questions about coaching because that's such a place of pain for small group pastors and directors. So more generally, but, okay, let's start off with how do you identify coaches? How do you recruit coaches? How do you retain coaches? Take any one of the three. This was this came up like I don't know a dozen times on well, the questions. Well, we're
2: going to do a whole podcast on recruiting, but I will touch on that first because that's where you have to be the visionary. Your your one of the things I love about collegiate sports is it's a little bit more pure than professional. But in collegiate su- sports, they are are looking into the sophomores of high school to say where's my where's where's the next crop coming from, and. Uh, you've always got to be looking two years down the road to saying, "Hey, where where is that? Where's that person? What am I going to do? And and how do I get them?" And so, part of it is we are always, usually more times than not, we we are not recruiting ahead of time because a yes doesn't come on the first ask. A yes comes, you know, on ask five, six, or seven because they're processing, they're trying to figure it out. And that's why it's always important to, to point to plant seeds in people and just being able to say, I mean, I see you as, you know, a leader of leaders. I see you as an amazing person. And when you've got a two-year window, a runway, you don't have to worry about closing the deal that night. And so often I'm trying to meet you I'm trying to, you know, instill in you, and I'm trying to close the deal all in the same day. And it's just like, uh, you know, and it's, you know, people don't, people don't turn that quick.
1: Well, typically, when we feel that pressure to find a coach, it's usually, like, because we have a bunch of leaders that need coaching. So we're not necessarily looking ahead. It's kind of as demand needed. So the idea of planning ahead, I don't know, two years, I don't know how realistic that is. A lot of churches have turnover much faster than that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you do, but the, the thing, so if they're, so where I would say is go a little bit more kingdom minded on that side and just saying, if you're planting the seed there, they may, you're right, they may go okay. to another church, but you've planted the seed. And so when your fellow person on this listening thing is saying, oh, I think they're a leader too. The seed's been planted, and so you're working ahead. So it may not be for you, so well, let's not be selfish, but <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, be a little bit more on, on that side of it. So the,
1: okay, and how about identifying them? How do you even know who to make the ask to?
2: Yeah, there, so there's a couple things in identifying them, and that is this is your team that's working with you in the small group ministry. So part of it, you've got you've to look at, first off, who you are. Uh, one of the common verses I go to and I sign it in every one of my uh and want to sign a book and with small groups with purpose uh, small groups with purposes first Peter uh five one through four and because it gives you know three broad brush categories of a pastor you know it's a you got the elder you got the shepherd you got the overseer and and there's a lot behind that and so first off it starts with understanding who you are and what do you need around you and so uh, I tend to be a little bit more of an overseer so I've got to have more shepherds and and more elders around me uh, because you know I might be the persons, and I walk by, and I go, "Oh, that person looks like they're crying." But oh, this needs to get done, and so <laughs> uh, I'm sure somebody will follow behind there and help them out. Um, so, you, first off, in recruiting, you got to understand who you're not, mm. uh, I'm, and so, and then the other part, you got to look to uh, the people. And two of the things that I'm always looking at is capability and availability. Mm. So they can be very capable, but if they don't have the bandwidth and if they're not willing to give a part of their 168 hours to you, then it doesn't matter how capable they are. They may say yes, and they may be the right person, but if they have no availability for you, then you've lost the game. So, uh, So I'm looking on the availability of people. And and I'm not shy about helping them reprioritize their 168 hours. So just because they say, "Hey, I don't have the availability," just you know, help them do an audit and say, "Oh, what, what are you doing?" I'll never forget one of the of the guys I knew would be in a phenomenal, a phenomenal person to help me in the small group ministry. Um, it's actually it's actually at your church, and uh, and we might I
1: might not have this person. <laughs>
2: I don't know. Wow. Miss person who doesn't want to look two years down the road. <laughs> uh, but. <laughs>
1: nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we won't even talk about <laughs> Saddleback's turnover. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: easy now. You don't have to get bitter about it. I mean, my goodness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Touch the button. Uh, but, uh, uh, but I'll never forget. I talked to him and I just said, I just want one golf game a week. I want one oh, golf game a week. You play way too much. You have way too much money. Give me one game a week, and it wasn't a yes at the first spin, but it was also you know a little bit later on that uh, you know he, he came to me He goes I'll give you one, and so I took it. It's Five hours a week I was getting, um, so yes. there there's the part. So just because they don't have the availability, don't let that go if they're the right person. Now let's go back onto capability. You're obviously looking for somebody that that can complement you, but you're also looking for somebody. Uh, on two different planes one is there's people that are going to be helping you just give care to the network and obviously if they're not a shepherd you know it's it's just not going to work but the other two folks may be people that you want on your c team so you have two levels of leadership in your small group network you have your your coaches that are are making that happen but the other thing is you have a special crew that is almost you like your this is your right and left uh Uh, Arms is that they are um, the people that. If I was starting a business, I'd be the CEO, and then I would get a C-suite around me, a COO, CFO, CHR, CSO, uh, CIO, CTO, things like that.
1: Okay, you've and, lost, lost me with those acronyms. All right. Uh, All right uh, I get the idea.
2: Okay. Uh, you need
1: a lot of people. You need a village. You
2: need, you need, thank you, that village. But the, what you want to do is you want to think, this person may be somebody, they may not be the best shepherd to kind of nurture them and help them walk through this whole friend leader, coach, you know, process, but they may be a thinker. They may be someone who can help stretch you. They may be someone who, as you're planning, can be a vision caster. They may be somebody who have the keys to part of the church relationally that you need to get into. So there, there's a, a couple things with that. So that was on some part of your question. I have no idea what it (laughs) was.
1: No, it actually leads well to the next question. But there
2: was a third part, but keep going.
1: There was. It'll come back to us. We both have a bit of ADD here. (laughs) Um, Okay, the next level, and there's several questions around this topic, the idea of gaining... ownership from senior leadership, whether that's the senior pastor, executive pastor, boss, discipleship pastor, elders, however the way your church is organized, how do I approach senior leadership to help them understand the value of including small groups, uh, ministry team in the planning and implementation of church vision and mission? Okay, that was a mouthful. Basically, this person is asking.
2: They're very wordy. Yes. Well, <laughs> okay. let's not judge the questions.
1: Um, it's very clear, though. The idea is how do I get a seat at the table? Lots of words.
2: It's just lots of words. But yeah.
1: How, do, how does small groups ministry get a seat at the table where decisions are being made that's bigger church with leadership?
2: Sure. So uh, part of it, uh, I'll just tell you, and you can tell I've answered this question a lot when I've memorized <laughs> a, a URL. So if you go to blog.smallgroupnetwork.com <laughs> blog. right. forward slash pastor buy in.
1: Um, can you do a shorter URL for that? <laughs> I, I,
2: why, why are you being hard? Sorry, sorry. No, sorry, sorry. See, live is I do not worse. need this right now. But, uh, so that URL we'll, we'll put somewhere on this podcast. Yes. Uh, but, um, I was going to say, you can see it on the screen. Uh, and they're going, what? They're I'm right. listening. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but you know, first off, you know, there, any change in any organization has five, five levels uh, it, it starts uh, with personal renewal, which is you, and it starts with prayer, and it starts with saying, I am called to this, nothing's going to shake my ground, I am in this game, I am moving, I, this is a burning desire, nothing's going to stop me, I'm, I'm going there. Then there's the relational side, and the relational side doesn't always mean the, you have the ear of the senior leadership. When I first came on staff, I don't think I saw Rick. Uh, so, uh, you know, now I see him too much. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's a mixed just lesson. kidding, just edit, edit that. Um, hopefully. Uh, but, um, but there's a, a, a leadership principle called um, the power of the borrowed sword. And so I didn't need to be close to Rick, but I needed to know who was close to Rick. Mm. And so, when in the relational side, you're building at grassroots. And at the same time, you're also saying, I'm strategic to understand what pockets I know are available and what pockets uh, I, I I can deal with. And so what I want to be able to do is, uh, through that process, is understand where am I gaining ground and get that on a more powerful way. And then at the same time, uh, be able to um, get, get together and know more people so that we can build a relational piece that... Uh, helps me move the ball down the court. So there's there's the relational side. So it's grassroots, and it's also being strategic to say, what pockets am I a part of that yes. I, I can get wins at? And you don't have to get everything at one time. When I first came on staff, we were only 30% connected into small groups. and and But I found out where I could get easy wins was in couples ministry. Mm. So I focus on that. Was there a million things that were out of whack? There were a lot of things <laughs> that were out of whack. But I needed a win. And so you you start there with the wins. And that's how you build the relational side. Relational leads to a missional renewal where this is important because then you understand your purpose. And your purpose has to align to your senior leadership. And this is why I'd say it would be one of the biggest mishaps that's happening is that a lot of times we, we get our small group ministry going in a way. And it's nowhere where our senior leadership is going. And so part of what you got to understand is, uh, when, if you are in a relationship, if you are married, if you have kids, you know, the love language of those players. And when you know the love language, then you understand that, uh, you, you do what, how it, how love is poured into them. Most of us, we we forget that our senior leadership has a love language. And if you don't know what that is before you want to talk about groups, Find out their love language. When you know their love language, that's what you want to do. When I came on staff, you know, Rick loved groups, but he was really excited about getting people through the class system and real excited about baptisms and life change. So what was I really excited about? It's not hard. I was excited about <laughs> baptisms. I was excited about the class Wait, system. were you not
1: excited about baptisms uh,
2: normally? <laughs> uh, well, that's, that's a fair converse to that statement. Uh, but I was hired as a small groups pastor, so I was, you know, I was a little Good bit point. more focused on On that. But, you know, so you you help them understand that you love what they love. You want to champion their agenda. And uh, so I would say, you know, a practical first step is what's their love language? You know, if you look at the missional renewal part, you'll find out what their love language is and be able to take that a, a step further. You know, when you're in that, then, you know, get around there, be their best friend, help them champion their their agenda and the senior leadership. You still got to do your day job, but, you know, be an asset to the church and someone who is a an overall church player. Don't be a yes. Johnny OneNote. I have seen so many people that have come on staff and everything's got to be a group. And... W- Pe- it's you out. Yeah, and you become toxic. And uh, so you're right. It's the tune-out, and it's not there, but that's on missional. Listen to the uh, the the previous podcast we did, and I'll help you out. The next level right there is then into structural renewal. And that's when you start to feel like, wow, our church is doing some structural things where we are a church of small groups, and you see some, some structural change. You may get more budget. You may get more staff. Your church may... Put you as a priority to get things done that are in other pockets and every segment, other segments, and you'll see other teams do the same thing. Yes, I remember when our children's ministry had no kids small groups. Mm-hmm. Now they do have kids small groups. Sweet. and so you know, so you you start to see those structural changes happen, and then the most one of the critical parts is then you see cultural renewal. And in cultural renewal, you have to understand everything is always in drift. And it's usually drifting away from that. So just because you've got some wins, you've got to keep focused on the cultural renewal to say, "Hey, are we staying on target? Are we staying what we're doing?" People ask me, you know, What's, what, what do you do at Saddleback? It, it, I guard against drift mm. because if I don't, then we slip the cultural stuff. Now here's the problem: you go away from hearing something, and you have personal renewal, and all, all usually what a lot of people gravitate towards is a couple layers deeper, they're trying to make structural renewal happen. They come back and say, hey, I'm fired up. I need more budget. I mm-hmm. need more staff. I need more of this. I need more of that. And they have no relational buy-in. Yeah. They have no idea what their missional emphasis is. And the church has no idea, is this a friend or is this a foe? Mm-hmm. And so you want to let them see that everything you do. And so part of that is also you got to lead up with stats and stories. I don't care. I've been in a lot of churches. If you're not feeding your senior leadership stats and obviously accurate stats, I appreciate what <laughs> Roberta said, but uh, you know in, earlier in the lobby, but you know, go conservative, you know, uh, you know underestimate and overdeliver, yeah. Give them stats of what's important to them. If you don't know what's important to them, ask them. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, if I was to do this right, what kind of things would you like to see? And then stories. Life Change Stories helps them. And find out, is this this senior leadership one that likes to read the USA Today, or do they like to read the Wall Street Journal? Uh, (laughs) So if they like to read the USA Today, those stories got to be short lots of pictures, you know, you know, you know, make sure, you know, I'm talking to my, my target. I I wasn't quite going there because I like the USA today. So, uh, uh, but if they're more of the wall street journal types, then, you know, you want to have a lot more behind it. I
1: like the five page email stories. Yes, 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 Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is like one of the best stuff I've ever heard you say. This is so helpful. Um, to go I'm not sure how way. to
2: take that, but... Uh, it's
1: a <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, We've only
2: known each other 30 years, but that's uh, that's wonderful true. to hear right now I, in this moment. No,
1: it's true. I've actually heard you say pieces of it, but kind of like... All of that, like I, because I've been at our church for 13 years and it started out with basically not having, what? What's a small group? Why should we care? And I was in such a rush and part of it was, okay, you gotta build it. Um, so there's a few things I just wanted to highlight off of what you said, because a lot of our churches might be in this place. Um, the idea of being a um, church player, not your niche player, not the Johnny One note. That's been so huge. So when there's an opportunity to do a project, especially for you women, um, if you're not getting to the table, and part of it is because um, whatever reasons, you're not there. One way to get there is to, be, um, to do a project with other people across silos, across ministries, so that they get to know you. They get to see your leadership. They get to see what you can do. And that translates um, across. Even if you're working with peers or people below on the organizational chart, that will translate because then the, the bosses of them get to hear what you've done um, and you volunteer time. And it is more time, but it's so worth it in terms of relational capital. And then that person then will, will talk. I'm on the executive team. And we end up talking about people on our team that we think are rock stars. That are doing really cool stuff. And so that actually does come up. Um, and then you, you're like, oh, next time you need somebody who can do X. I remember so-and-so said, oh, Lori did a great job on this little piece. For, for us, and that wasn't even her job, people really value that, and that's a way to get known and get that relational piece, um, And then the love language, stats and stories, this is so true. Um, once I started feeding our senior pastor, hey, cool story, and I would just forward stories, small group stories, they started popping up on sermons. Um, and this was such a big win, because people started hearing the language of groups, even though we didn't have a culture of groups. Yeah. And so it, it just really helped. But anyway, that was so good. All right, so we have a very special question from Will Johnston, our good friend. <laughs> You're rolling your eyes you can, already, you, you can
2: already throw that question on the floor. But, but he actually ahead. has his
1: name on it, and I love Will, so we're going to ask it. Which of the five purposes are the most important to you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, since it's all the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, you know. It, I told him it, you were going to dodge
1: that. it. There yeah. you go. All five I'm purposes. Not,
2: I'm not dodging It's just important. There's one, I mean, obviously, there's, there's things that you gravitate towards. I gravitate towards fellowship because I, I love people. I love to spend time with people. I mean... Uh, I mean, I hate it when my wife and kids are gone from the house because I don't like being in my house alone, so I go to the church. And so, I mean, I enjoy people. Uh, so, um, it, you know, I gravitate, obviously, towards, everybody does, towards one of the parts of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Uh, but, and there's probably a, a secondary, you know, I, th- I keep thinking the Enneagram, hey, what's your wing? Uh, you know, so, uh, I mean, it's probably evangelism because I enjoy seeing people come to know the Lord. And I, and I mourn when people don't come to know the Lord. I mean, I had a witness, uh, I had a neighbor at my, uh, in my last neighborhood that I witnessed to for, uh, probably, you know, almost 20 years. And I just got a text and he passed away today. And I was like going, I, I felt the loss. I just, I, I felt like my sports team, you know, and I go, I lost. And, and unless God intervened in some way, I don't know, but, Mm -hmm. you know, so I take that very seriously. It's also the only purpose you can't do in heaven. So, uh, I would say, yeah, probably evangelism would be, you know, the most important, um, but you're going to have a leaning, but as all things, it's balance. Right. Right. And so you want to be able to, you know, whatever your church paradigm is, it's, it's always going to have some inkling of the great commission and the great commandments, nothing that Saddleback, you know, trademarked or anything. Jesus trademarked it. Uh, but, um, but it's just important in all things. You, you've got a, you love what you do, but you're always growing where you need to grow.
1: Wow. That is such a great answer. There Sorry, we Will, I tried. We're on a theme. We're on the, all right. So now let's handle some tough questions, um, awesome. that happen in groups. Um, uh, here's a softball. Would you allow a gay couple to be in your group? Let's, let's up that an ante here. Uh, a married gay couple in states like ours, California, would you allow them to be in a married couples group?
2: Um, I I mean, I I guess the, the flip side of that would be what sin wouldn't you allow in your small group? Uh, so uh, then you get into categorizing sins and all that. And, you know, I love people because Jesus died for people. So to me, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter what sin it is. I mean, uh, would I, would I love a, a couple that loves to gossip in my group? Would I, would I love, you know, alcoholics in my group? Would I love drug dealers? I'd love them a little bit more if they tithe,d uh, but uh, you know because you know funding's there. But uh, you you know it's it's the whole piece where you can't you can't be exclusive because Jesus loves them. I mean, and, and part of it it's just it, it just it gets when when I first became a follower of Christ, the the hot topic was divorce, and I remember being a follower of Christ, I was you know, senior in high school and the church was having a meeting and I thought, oh, this will be a fun, I'll go to the meeting. And so I went to this, this meeting and it was, I walked away going, it would be easier to kill my spouse than to divorce my spouse and be a part of the part of this church. Because for some reason, if you murdered him, then, you know, oh, there's forgiveness. Uh, but if you divorce him, oh Lord, you can't do that. So, um, you know, it's it's just weird how we, we have gravitational pulls to those things that scare us the most. Now, I'm not saying you, you, you don't have to deal with sin issues or anything like that. But from the acceptance point, I always tell churches, I go, dude, if there are people in your church that have a, you know, that, They smell like alcohol when they come in and they're, they're walking a little woozy. If they're, if you, if they're high, if they smell like pot, you you know, whether, 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 whether it's legal or not, you know, it doesn't mean it's moral. Uh, But, you know, you know, if you have people like that, that come into your church, you're doing your job because that's what we want. We want. We should almost have a smoking, non-smoking section in the auditorium. You know. Uh, You know. Of course, I know we're all about health in California, (laughs) but uh, but you know, it's a thing. You know, if you have people like that in your church, I mean, except if they're your staff. If they're your staff, that's bad. Uh, But uh, you know, through the line there. (laughs) But you know, that's good because we're the church is a hospital. It's not a hotel. It's never going to be neat and pretty and clean and all that. That's why all the new two thirds of the New Testament is the messiness of the church.
1: So would there be any? Reason um, for that you would fire or uh, release a volunteer leader that was engaged in something. I mean, I don't know what. What do you have a policy on when you would ask someone to step down and out of leadership?
2: I mean, we, for a small
1: group leader volunteer,
2: we wouldn't have a policy because we're we're a family, mm. and a family deals with stuff relationally. So it's yeah. And the more the more public the ministry, the more the the more positive the family needs to be that the, that the person standing up there has their act more together. Uh, And so there's the, there's this, I would say the more public the ministry, the more mature the person has to be. Uh, We have staff that there's some I would put on the stage. There's some I wouldn't because of the maturity level and how they, I mean, not all sins are just all the, the, you know, you know, a same sex person, you know, kissing in church or, you know, a drug addict or, you know, in any addictive behavior, it's, they're not all the, the, the tough problems in the church may seem like they're, they're those ones, but it's more, no, it's more the, it's more the yeah. sly, passive aggressive. I'm more, I'm more ticked at passive aggressive people. I don't even know if I have a passive aggressive person in my group. I mean, bring all the other, you know, crew in there, but you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be like Jesus and be a friend of sinners.
1: So you don't ever remove a leader?
2: Oh, no, I would say, you know, oh, no, no, I would say, yeah, if a leader, you know, goes against our covenants, then yeah. But the way you do that is always relationally. And you, 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 the thing is, when somebody, this goes with your staff too, just if if you're having to let go of your staff, if you're having to let go of a leader and they're surprised that you're having this meeting, Mm -hmm. you've done something wrong. So, I mean, that, that, when you're letting them go, should not be the first conversation. They should, right. that should be like, they should be going, I mean, one of the common things I, I would ask staff, I go, do you, know, do you know what we're meeting about? And then it kills me to go, yeah, I'm surprised we didn't have this conversation six months ago. And I was like, going, oh,
0: gosh. Yeah. So. so
1: there's a lead up. All right. Um, switching gears here. Um, questions around dividing groups, growing um, multiplication strategy, planting new groups. That there's always a little bit of pain if you try to divide. I know uh, we're more a fan of starting new groups, but what can you talk a little bit about multiplication strategies? Uh, what works best?
2: Sure. I mean, obviously, uh, the 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 larger macro question is the principle is evangelism. Jesus was the one who said, "Go." Can't can't erase that one from the Bible. Uh, but Jesus said, "Go." So the principle is evangelism. Evangelism—it's one of the five verbs in the Great Commission, Great Commandment, and so it's pretty clear. And it's in a command in the Greek language, so okay. So we know the principles of evangelism—you got to do it. Uh, then, <laughs> then the other thing you got to then you got to look at is okay, what's the methodology? Now, if you if you look at it from a different angle, from missiology, and you go, okay, what, um, you know, you would never take an American idiom. Overseas. I just came back from Latin America. I was there for two weeks. uh, doing five conferences, and I found out many of my American idioms did not fly well. Uh, and uh,
1: oh, was, are you sure it was the idioms and not your sense of humor?
2: Uh, well, that could have been both. So uh, uh, that was, that's fair. Uh, painful, but fair. Did you? Have uh, a th- let's let's move on. I'm, I am the guest. This you are is, the I'm interviewer. So, so okay, it's so much nicer okay.
1: to our guest. Yes,
2: I know. I've noticed that. So, anyways, you never take an American idiom overseas because you're not being cross cultural. Sure. But yet, when you look at the major influences on methodology to groups doing evangelism, it is predominantly from Yinkai, kai, uh, from T4T training in China, uh, one of the massive underground church movements that, I mean, they see hundreds of thousands of people come to know Christ. He has a great methodology, works there, powerful, bam. Uh, uh, Paul Yangi Cho uh, in the 70s, 80s, 80s um, brought in the cell movement, and Dale Galloway was one of the first ones to adopt it. He brought it into the United States and had his 2020 Vision piece w- with that. And then uh, Carl George, who's a part of the lobby here, you know, he was a big influence in in that also. Uh, the other one is the G12 movement out of Bogota, Colombia, from Cesar Castellon, and uh, and so you have you have, uh, you have uh, outside cultural idioms. Imp- trying to permeate permeate our American idiom and I what I've seen in traveling you know all the continents is that generally the more first world you become the more of the things I'm going to talk to you about will impact you because literally I've been in many many different cities around the planet and they're all going I talked to a small group out they go, I'm trying to tell my people to to split and multiply and all that and they go they won't do it and so here, here's what I had to figure out because I am fairly Persuasive, very aggressive, fairly uh, good at at sales, and um, and I would get groups, and I would say, hey, and I even remember this my first year at Saddleback, I would go, hey, you need to, to you need to multiply for the cause of Christ. You mean this what you know? This is what you got to do. You got to do it, and you know, and finally to get me off their back, they would say. Yeah, okay, we'll do it. And really, what I found out, they were just giving me the spiritual middle finger and just saying, "Hey, you know, (laughs) hey, get out of here." And uh, so, and they wouldn't do it. And so I had to figure out, you know, why? Why wouldn't they do it? Mm -hmm. And there's a couple tracks I want to go on here because it's very important for you to understand. Culture doesn't mean it's right, but it it is what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the church is generally downstream of culture, not upstream changing culture. So you just got to deal with, you know, what we're good at and what we're not good at. So part of where culture is at, five things influence our culture, some more devastating. So if you go back to this principle that uh, that we believe is that the church is a family system. When the church is a family system, what you got to look at is what cultural things are disrupting the family system out the gate the number one thing is divorce mm-hmm. whether we like it or not divorce impacts our family system it crushes a spouse spouses and it is just ugly 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 i'm not if you're listening and you've gone through that zone don't feel shame it's just it, it yes. is it is it's a natural it's like, bottle, yeah. it it shatters the family system also if you're keeping track in america for, for the first time in the 2010 census in America, 40, I mean 50, um, I can't do my math quick enough in my head, 57% of children since 2010 are being raised in step families. Wow. It's not right or wrong, right. it is just a statistic reality. The, the minority is uh, a kid being raised in a nuclear family of one mom and one dad. That disrupts the family system. Uh, The military, depending on the presence in whatever major city you're in or country you're in, the military disrupts the family system. They make you become missionaries, whether you like it or not. They say, oh, you signed up, you're gone, you're right here. Uh, Jobs, the job force, the corporate market, corporate markets are forcing and shattering the family system because they say, if you want a job, you got to move over here to, to be with that. Uh the other thing too is the educational system. Uh and Carolyn, you and I are both dealing with this. You know, I have a daughter that is going to school in Nashville, and if she meets a guy there, which we've told her not to, uh, but if she does, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, she could say, Hey, I'm I'm that's, that's I'm not, not come, they're I, I, coming back to California. They're coming back. Yeah. And so yes. you know, so uh but you know, she could you move because she falls in love with somebody. And so you have all those things impacting the family. So what happens is, is that when people find a small group, a biblical small group that is doing what the Great Commission and the Great Commandment is saying, you'll hear this statement more times than not, this, these people are closer than my blood.
0: Yes, that's
2: true. So why do they say that? Because they've been shattered and so, when they have finally found a biblical family, and you come in and say, Say, hey, get divorced. Look, uh, yeah, hey, what are you experiencing in your childhood, let's do it again. Uh, and so, they're like, going, I, they're scared. Yeah. They yeah. do not want that. And so, another thing that you got to look at, too, which we believe in, is we don't believe cliques are bad. Mm. And so, if you look at it, you know, when Jesus formed a small group, not only was it a clique, but he had three that were more important than somebody else, Peter, James, and John. And so uh, what happens is, is that when is a click bad? Well, my daughter made cheer as a freshman. I told her, hang with your cheer girls. Do whatever you want with the cheer girls. Blah, 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 blah. Do the whatever you do. But I said, the moment a kid who is not in your your sphere, whenever that person comes up to you and you can't say hi and you can't interface mm-hmm. then what you're doing is you're saying that click is bad because you can't minister to the masses and obviously it touches me because I have kids on both sides of the of the of the of the zone, and so when they are alienated because you can't say hi to them because you have your cronies, then a click is bad, mm-hmm. so with that you've got to look at you know in your in your whole whole sphere so the principle is still evangelism. Mm-hmm. What's the methodology? So for us, what we do is we say, grow your groups as deep as you want because a click's not bad. But you've got to hold personal evangelism extremely high. And that means that you've got to identify people that you are engaging with. When you think of 1 Corinthians 3, um, You know, Paul says, some plant, some water, but it's the Lord who brings the harvest. And so often we teach evangelism is lead somebody to Jesus. But what it really is, it is more about planting and watering. So you've got to help people have a high, high regard for personal evangelism. That can only happen with accountability. So if you want to do this, the model we're doing, you can grow your groups deep, but personal evangelism has to stay high. Now, what happens when you do that? When somebody gets saved or when somebody goes, hey, I like your church or I want to be a part of your church, sometimes they may be a part of your group. More times than not, they're not a part of your group, but they'll want to grab some of their friends and then they can start a group. Now, that style that I just said what we do in Small Groups with Purpose, chapter 8, chapter 17, will explain it far better than I just did. But if you go with that style, and every system has pros, it has cons. Our con is it's hard to get out of a group. (laughs) Because sociologically, the younger your children are, the more they determine your adult friends. Mm -hmm. The older your kids get, the more you get to pick your friends, and it's a whole lot better. (laughs) Uh, And so what can happen is just over time is that you know, someone's sitting in your group and they go, well, I I started as your friend. doesn't mean I'm not your friend, but I have some people that are closer to me. And it's hard to get out of a group. It's like trying to get out of the mob. You know, how do you get out of the mob? You die. And so so what you need to do is to, uh, in our campaign strategy, we always say, hey, if God has brought two or three new friends to you, we want you to feel released to leave your group. You can come back. They never do. We've had four couples leave our group, and you know they always go, "Oh, we're coming back." And I go, "I helped design this. You're not coming back." But go <laughs> ahead, uh, you know. I listen to you. Uh, so they leave, then they don't come back because they've got new friends. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, it's just again, it's part of sociology. It's part of life. It's part of what happens. And so, so our style would be, we don't lead with multiplication. If a group does that. Wow, miracle. Uh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But if they don't do it, I want to show them how to have a win by taking their group deep but holding personal evangelism high.
1: Wow. Okay. That's very good. Not as good as the other thing. I was, made but Carolyn really
2: speechless. No, na, because na, 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 na. <laughs> but it's actually
1: not all you. It's because I still have like a dozen cards, and we're almost out of time. And I did. Oh, we'll do a part two. We did, we did say we would have um, let our studio audience have ask any questions. Oh,
2: but and, we lie all the time. Just don't. No, <laughs> not we. That's a
1: personal you owner. It's uh, a you problem. Oh,
2: okay. <laughs> so if anyone separating the wheat from the chaff, I understand much. that. Okay. Um,
1: if any of you have questions. Does anyone want to ask a question? Or I have a couple other ones that we could wrap up on. Yes. See,
2: I had discernment. Mingo doesn't count. I had discernment <laughs> that nobody you know, would value, want to ask a question. So, I value so
1: everyone. Better, Jesus values everyone. So, you
2: it have a question. Better be good. What does the next decade
1: of groups look like with the rise of? Oh good lord! You know Carl George is with us, <laughs> and he will be answering some of these questions uh, at our next I, session. But you, you go, go for it. From the last 2000 of <laughs> go for it in, yeah. in one minute.
2: So What is funny <laughs> is that every generation thinks it's extremely different from the others, mm-hmm. and there there is some truth to that because of the influence of culture and technology and mm-hmm. and where the planet has gone. So I, I I will agree that there are traits of generations uh, that are affected by culture. Uh, but what is, what is interesting is that when God made humanity, uh, people have the same felt needs. They have the same holes in their hearts. They have the same desires. Now, there may be new methodologies that are needed with that, but it's clear, uh, you know, when David's talking about serving his generation before he Mm -hmm. dies and to do it well, there's no doubt that the generation understands itself, but the same basic felt needs are still going to be there for a, a desire for fellowship that is deeper. Now, as culture destroys biblical fellowship, that desire is going to be much higher and hungry. There's always going to be a need to grow closer to Christ. There's always going to be a, a need that you want to serve how God has given you a spiritual gift. There's always a need to win the lost, and there's always a need to sacrifice the dark, ugly parts of you. So the the principles are, are not going to change. I would say the methodologies would, but I trust the next generation to be able to uh, to speak into that. And that's why it's going to be important. I can't forecast. I can forecast for my generation. We're dying. But but I can't forecast for them. And so as I look at my two kids who would be on the, the backside of the millennial generation, their needs are still the same. Their desire for community is having to be there. And I'm excited about a, a generation of leaders that are coming up that will solve that. And now the the big trick is going. How does the new wine fit into the old wine skins? And I think Jesus was pretty clear. It doesn't, unless you're good at change.
1: Yeah, no, that's good. Um, Told okay, so to you not to open last, it up.
2: To okay, la-
1: last okay. So last question. I know we have like no time here. Okay, but I do want to ask this because there are several that was all around this theme. As you go around the world and especially in North America, talking to small group pastors and directors, what is what are uh, your observation about what people? what's most on their hearts. What's discouraging? Specifically, one of the questions was, what do you think think discourages and takes small group um, point leaders out of the game? And how can you encourage them? And I know, and all kidding aside, Steve is one of my biggest champions and a great encourager. And he's um, poured into me and our ministry and the network. And so I know that like whenever I've been with Steve, I come away encouraged. So this is your chance to encourage us.
2: Quit. No. I'm uh, <laughs>
1: okay, so there, there you have it. Was <laughs> well, that to anyone in particular? Go into car sales. You know,
2: like, no. You know, yeah, okay, so, what so, have you seen discourage
1: people, and then what? what would you say?
2: Well, I, I mean, again, what I see that discourages them is when they feel they're they're not getting traction in their church, mm-hmm. and and I and I would say, I would lay some of that on us not leading up well, and part of that is again getting to know your church culture. Getting to know your senior leadership, and or the people around your senior leader, and and getting to know them and and being a part with them. But again, uh, I always go go back to Hebrews three thirteen says, encourage one another as it is today, so that you may not be overtaken by sin's uh, hardness. Or that is a very loose paraphrase, by the way. But (laughs) Hebrews three thirteen is is very good, you know, in the NIV. But what it's talking about is encouragement has the power to restrain sin. And so, where the enemy is always going to go. So, you know, you look at the church, it's designed temple courts and house to house. There is no way the enemy wants house to house to work. And he's always working on. The temple courts people. And so, I mean, it's one reason why I wanted to start the network because if you don't get people around you that they give you that positive intake, you got you to have those 360s that, you know, I hate them just as much as anybody else, you know, when you got to face the reality of how you, you're wired and how you may not be helping out the team. But there's also the part where you need people that are your champions, that the moment you say a, a vision that they don't come around and say, oh, that won't work, you know. And so, you need one Eeyore in your life. Life, but I sure like a whole lot more tiggers around me than one, you know. Well, an the tigger doesn't
1: have to be in your your organization. Tigger can be someone outside. Yeah. you're a tigger in my yeah, life.
2: Yeah, so and so you want you want to be a part of that. I feel like going bouncy, 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 <laughs> bouncy, fun, <laughs> fun, 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 fun things. I don't want to think about tiggers. It's oh, not you the only know, one, you
1: even know this uh-huh. all for tiggers. I know, uh,
2: but but, um, but th- that's the thing is that you've got to you've got to get uh, people around you. And where I'd say, if you are called and you think this is going to be easy it's not. I mean, I just hate to say that to you. But what I can say is it's fun. Yeah. It may not be easy, but it is fun. And at the end of the day, when when you get a changed life, mm-hmm. that's money. Yeah. That is what we live yeah. for. So part of it is you've got to you've got to seek the encouragement and be around people. That's why we start the small group network. That's why we have huddles, that's why we have resources and all that to, to encourage you. But the other thing too is is that you've got to understand, how do you recharge your batteries? So there's a group component that you need people that will encourage you around you in your calling and be with that. But then you got to also ask yourself, how do you recharge your batteries? Because we all do it differently. And so, how you recharge is going to be very important. So, you know, it's the common things. Make sure you're taking your sabbath. Make sure you're doing your daily quiet time. Make sure you actually read God's word. Uh, you know, make sure you do some things because when you do those things, that will help recharge your battery. I know you're still trying to cut me off, but shut up. Uh, so, you know, uh, uh, you know, you're not encouraging me. Uh, so,
1: the next talk happening. I know. Okay.
2: So, but you know, so just make sure you got the group side of you working around uh, that you got. Uh, you know, good sense. voices around you, and then make sure you're taking care of your soul care. And with that, and with yes. that,
1: yes, thank you so much for listening to Group Talk. Thank you, our studio audience. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Uh, and we will see you next
0: time. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes so you can get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you wouldn't mind doing us a favor, please rate the podcast and leave comments so other small group ministry leaders can easily find us. To connect with a small group network huddle in your local area, read our blog, join us on Facebook, or access additional resources. Visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com. Remember to use the hashtag when engaging. With your social media channels. Thank you for your support.